this. I've known about this for a while, and it's not my first time being up here um, talking to you guys, but this time is different because I'm, I feel like I have no clue what I'm going to say. <laughs> and in my, in my family, in Jacob's family, when his dad would be preaching and, and, and come to a service and say, I have no clue what to say, that was like a really bad thing it was going to be a long service, but I don't think that's going to happen today. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've kind of had a, f- in times past, I've had like, okay, this is it, and I've studied and researched and figured it out, and, and I got it, and this time I don't feel that, so we got to pray, because... <laughs> And I'll share more about that. But Lord, I just thank you for what you've already begun today, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, complete the work that you're doing in our hearts this morning. That you would allow us to learn something new about you. That you would completely overtake me and speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've had a feeling of what I want to talk about a little bit. And I'm over there praying and I'm like, God, I just empty myself out and I have no clue. Like, you're going to just have to do it. And then somebody gave a word and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like confirmation. That's awesome. And then I'm over there praying and then I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, keep doubting. And uh, and somebody else gave a word and I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? So I have a word. The word is really weird it's called it's a single word it's called paradox you guys know what a paradox is yeah so I actually looked up the definition because some people said no so a paradox is a seeming absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that so it just seems totally weird and backwards but when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or actually true. So it was weird when I think it was, it was one of you two, William or Lupe, that said, what if this morning the worship team isn't supposed to bring us into worship, but we're supposed to bring the worship team into worship? And I was like, that seems so weird and backwards, but maybe there's some truth to it. So I have some... Uh, uh, paradoxes, whatever. I've, I've never, this feels weird. Um, <laughs> I know. So, um, okay, so one of them, less is more. That seems weird, right? That's totally backwards that how could something that's less be more? But it's the interpretation of it that then you see that it, it can actually be true. So, for example, something that's less complicated could actually be more appreciated. So less is more, right? So, um, or this is the beginning of the end. Well, if it's the end, wait, what? So it's just weird. It just seems backwards. Um, or you can save money by spending it. That sounds weird. I've actually said that's really lame and not cool. That, like, but it's true, right? When I go, I don't know when, but someday soon when I complete my kitchen and I get my dishwasher, I am not going to pay full price for my dishwasher. I'm going to save money 
by spending it. So that's a true statement, right? Even though it seems weird and backwards and like it contradicts itself. And then there's ones that are, they're funny, they're called a liar paradox. So it's like the statement itself is a lie or is it? For example, um, I'm a compulsive liar. Well, if I'm saying I'm a compulsive liar and I'm actually a compulsive liar, then wouldn't the statement that I said not be true? But it's saying, so it's just weird, right? They're just totally crazy. So, and there's, there's tons more. Um, but there are actually, um, I found some, it's going to bother me, paradoxes. I don't know. Some, I'll have to talk to Kat Whitinger and ask her about that. Um, okay, so there's actually some that are in the Bible. And so that's interesting because I watched a movie recently that shared one that I was like, I've never thought about it that way. So, um, for example, um, he exalts the humble. So I go low and he exalts me and that just seems weird. Like, wouldn't I exalt? But the way that God works is kind of backwards. In our, in our natural thinking, it just doesn't necessarily make sense. Or that we have strength through weakness. That, like, literally in my weak, that seems totally weird. If I'm weak, how in the world could I be strong? But it's that fulfillment that, um, that may be proved to be well-founded is that when I am totally weak, then God, then God is my strength right? Like we know these, these aren't anything new or, um, you know, I, Tyler mentioned, mentioned it earlier, but, um, you know, that we, we think it's this lottery ticket and we give so that we can receive, right? But the reality is if all your heart's content is to give, guess what's going to happen? You're totally going to receive. And so I think it's part of the motivation of our heart is that our heart isn't to receive because that's actually when we don't receive is when we're all about gimme, 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 I want, I want, that we get that, that we may have wanted, but we, we didn't get what we, like, what we really wanted. And so it's out of that giving, out of, out of everything that we have that we give that we actually find out that we receive. Like I have my students all the time, they, um, they serve, you know, they have to do certain hours of, I feel like I'm standing right on the other side of the cross so it can't see me. <laughs> um, but my students do, um, you know, community service. I had uh, actually four or five students that were here on Thanksgiving Day and um, they left here and they were like, this was like the coolest thing ever. It was so awesome. Can't believe how many people you guys served and blah, blah, blah. Or I've had kids that have served um, with special needs students at our school and they've helped out with different, they do different sporting events. And they've written up papers that I've read that has said, I learned so much about me when I was there to give and they totally were able to receive. And so it's, there's just, it just seems backwards. So I've got more. Um, freedom through serving. This one I think is probably, um, and I'll share something with you um, a little bit, but we find our freedom through our service to God. 
It's not that I'm free and I'm like, woohoo, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm never going to, whoops, I'm never going to like give, right, Tyler? That's what you said this morning. And so we think it's this freedom to do whatever we want. And the reality is it's, it's in that freedom, in that service that we find the freedom, right? There's all scriptures to these two. Romans 6.18 is freedom through serving or um, like gaining through losing. When we give up everything to God, that's when we truly find and gain everything. Okay. Uh, Living through dying, finding through losing. There's lots of good stuff. So I heard this quote. Okay. Why did Jesus come to to the earth? What? To show us who the Father is. Okay, what else? He died for our sins, right? So that we wouldn't have to be the ones to die, right? Okay, what else? To redeem us. Okay, so if he had to die for our sins in order to redeem us and show us, there was something like we needed to be redeemed, right? We needed to be saved. And so I think we spend so much time on that, like we need to be, right? We need to be saved. So that's why he came. And so this quote was really interesting. It kind of flipped me upside down. And it was just like, whoa, that's crazy. So here's the quote. Okay. So it's, we live in a fallen world. And that's the price we paid for the freedom to choose. We always think about we always think about the price that Jesus paid, and I don't discount that one bit because we wouldn't be here today if he didn't pay that price. But if we take a step further on why did he have to take the price, and it's because we live in a fallen world. So why do we live in a fallen world? So that we could have the freedom to choose. Because if if we didn't, if when God created everything and Adam and Eve were hanging out in the garden, if it was, there was no freedom for them to choose the wrong, then we would be like this today if we were even here. way better job of that but we would be robots there would be no choice at all in this at all we would literally be doing all the same thing like there would be no experience even like I think about like if there's no choice in the matter then there's there's no experience we wouldn't need to experience God We wouldn't need that. And so when, you know, a lot of people, especially in the times that we live today, um, there's so many crazy things that happen all over the world. Like really bad stuff. Like, um, you know, everything. World stuff. Or just even local. The um, teacher that I teach with, his son was just born two weeks early. Like a week ago. Two weeks ago. And they have to like rush him down to Phoenix and they're dealing with all this medical stuff. He's at Phoenix Children's Hospital and they're just trying to figure everything out. And you can hear like the thoughts that people say of like, why would that happen? 
why would a loving God do that? What's that all about? Like, why? And people always, that's like their paramount of their questioning God. And it's, we just don't usually think about the alternative. God didn't cause the issue, but God gave us the freedom to choose the issue. And the issue has been chosen. There's no way to go back, right? Like, hey, Eve, come on. Can we rewind this? Rewind the episode and start over again? Um, we can't do that. And so we, we've been given this freedom to choose. That, to me, is real freedom, is that we have that choice. Because if we weren't free, there would not be a choice to even have. And so I just thought that was really cool because we just don't usually take a step that far back. So then somebody else is talking this morning about, I think it was Lupe, she was talking about um, how to grab a hold of what you, the circumstances in your life, and to be able to grab a hold of them and claim what God calls on that situation. So the other thing that I heard uh, recently, which really grabbed my attention, uh, was a new, another vocabulary word. (laughs) It's called... I just had a random thought too. It's 10:30. There's no way I'm going to take it to 12. Just an FYI. <laughs> so we're going to have some major like uh, activation going on in a little bit. <laughs> okay. So this other word is called. It's it's a part of a word you've already heard. So you've heard the word miracle, right? Yeah. Okay. This word is called unmiracle. It's an unmiracle. Okay, so I, the teacher in me, I just want to know what you guys think unmiracle might mean. What do you think unmiracle might mean? I know, right? It's crazy. No, you can't Google. It's like natural, normal, okay? Logical, okay? Huh? Reversal. Undid a miracle. Okay. Anything else? One miracle. Right? Is anybody like on the edge of their seat? This happens in math class all the time when I'm talking about like a math formula. They're like, tell me more. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I'm a great teacher, but that does not happen all the time. <laughs> Okay, unmiracle, as described by this person. Okay, so what I want you guys to do right now is just close your eyes and think about like a circumstance of some sort that in your life is kind of like not what you would want it to be. Okay? So you've got something funky or a trial that you're going through, something like that. So, it feels upside down or wrong, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that thing, that circumstance, that trial that's going on in your life, and I want you to take a minute, and I'm going to be quiet during that minute, and I want you to try and see that circumstance through God's eyes.
teacher, the hardest thing to do is to wait. And when it's quiet, it seems like it lasts forever. Okay. So you've thought of something in your life, some circumstance, and then you've spent a little bit of time thinking about um, seeing it through God's eyes. So the way that this person described an unmiracle is the opposite of what you've ex- you'd expect from God, right? Like undoing a miracle, maybe, okay? Um, like when something horrible happens and you wonder God c- how God could let that happen, right? Have you ever felt like God's against you in the midst of that circumstance? But he's not. Actually, the way this, this person describes it is that it was you who was against God. So, an unmiracle is the opposite of what you'd expect from God. Like when something horrible happens and you wonder how God could ever let that happen. And it seems like he's against you. But he's not. It's you who was against God. And once you realize that, which can literally happen in a moment, once you realize that, the unmiracle actually becomes a miracle. It's just that you are looking at it upside down. So I think sometimes, you know, we deal with stuff all the time in our lives, and it's like, God, what's going on in this thing? What? I don't get it. What is happening here? And oftentimes, and I honestly believe in the midst of whatever that circumstance is that you were thinking about, that it might not be that you've had this revelation and you see it through God's eyes and you see that it's a miracle, it might not be that the circumstances are going to change. But you're now able to see it through God's eyes. And so your perspective on that situation is totally different because it's a different perspective. We can, and I believe that there can be divine strategy downloaded from that change of perspective. And, and have you guys ever been at the eye doctor? You know when they like, they have like all those weird old school like Ben Franklin goggles up in your eyes and they're like, okay, I'm going to do one thing. This one or that one. This one or that one. And to get your prescription is literally like one little click away from something else. And I think sometimes our perception is just literally one little click away, could be one little click away from what God's wanting us to see. So the things in our life that we're struggling with can literally be one click away, and then our entire world can change. Right? (sighs) Crazy. Um, And so... I just, you know, with that being said, I think oftentimes in in the world, we struggle with this sense of, like, rightness and justice. And I know we've, we've, what we've been taught is this concept of giving up the right to be right. Like, there is this justice that that is what, and I find it with my kids. They're just like me. It's like... Well, no, that's not what you said, Mom. You said we were going to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, that's what you interpreted that I said, but that's not actually what I said. 
and it's just that little, little, uh, you know, in your camera, and you just slightly tilt the lens a little bit, and then you can see clearly. And so we have this right to be right, and that's not what God told us to do. You know, you can't come in here on a Sunday morning dressed like some characters from Star Wars because that's not right. That's not here. I just want you to know. That might be somewhere else, but that's totally not here. But did you think that in your mind? Maybe not Rowan, because you know us. Did that thought maybe even enter a little bit? A little bit, right? Or, um, gosh, your kids cannot run around in here. That is not okay. And there's this sense of rightness, and I think that sense of rightness is attached to what we've always known to be true and that's not necessarily that it's true it's just what we've always known to be true which is weird right because that can like flip some tables upside down and so we just have this sense of rightness I think a lot of times in our lives where we feel like it's got to be right and we have to do the right thing and we have to you have to do the right thing or I'm going to judge you on it I don't think we say that but that's what we think in our hearts right and so Like, there is this sense of rightness. However, let me see if I can find it. We were called to love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and strength, right? And what's the other part of that love statement? To love our neighbor, right? As ourselves. So who's our neighbor? Everybody look to the person on your right. Look to the person on your... That, those are the only people that are your neighbors, okay? Ever. Just those people, right? That's totally not true, right? So we're all neighbors, and we got a lot of neighbors out there, right? A lot of neighbors. And I can I just say, like, I really appreciate you guys. We had a ton of people in our house last night, and we... It was fun. At least I had fun. And I think, honestly, to go in the, this whole paradox thinking, Jacob and I received far more than we gave. Right? Would you agree? Yeah, he agrees. It'd be awkward if he's like... <laughs> um, we received far more, and what was really cool was to see people receive all people. Somebody, um, who was it? Someone last night was like, okay, like what, what portion of the people here are like from your church and what portion are from your work and from, you know, different out in the community. And we described how people, some people we know from like three different eras. Um, oh, it's you, Jason. Somebody said, you, Kyle, on the way to our house, asked Jason and Amber, like, how do you know these people? And they were like, that's an interesting question. Jason said, or Amber. <laughs> well, it, we, it was like family friends. And then the Garcias as our teachers, high school teacher, to mentor, to, yeah. Like, I've known this guy and both of them for like several years through church I had Lorie in class like years ago then I have Jason then I had Zach like Michaela was in my class like I 
teacher, right? Then you've got church friends, family friends, mentors, the whole, so how do you like describe it in one word? So it was just interesting. Somebody was asking me like, what, what portion of the people here are from where? What, what part of your lives? And the part that really blessed me was we have people from the world in our house last night. And they, you know, what I just thought was really cool, I'm like recognizing the fact that I'm on, on like instant TV right now. But we have people who, who like come in with their beer in hand to our house and did not feel weird. Or like open up a bottle of wine and a case of beer and it was it wasn't a bad thing we loved them right like I love that those people and it was so cool to have you guys come into my home and love them too like that is really cool to me and I think sometimes there could be a person who and maybe I don't know maybe it happened and I just was not privy to it who's like "Mm, that's not right drinking all up in this house and we get this sense of rightness of like it it has to be right and that's not what we were called to do we were called to love our God and we were called to love our neighbor which is everybody right and what is love okay so if I speak in the tongues of men or of or of angels but do not have love I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging clanging cymbal so if I get up, up up here and talk, or you talk to if I talk to my students, if you talk to the people in your sphere of influence, but you don't have love, it doesn't matter, right? Um, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, it doesn't matter, right? If I give all I have to the poor and give over my body to hardship, and I totally sacrifice myself so I can boast for the Lord but don't have love it doesn't matter so when you think about all the people in your life whether it's your family because you know we need that too um, or if it's people at work or at school or wherever in your sphere of influence that are your neighbor that you've been called to love this is what you have to think of In all areas, love is patient. Am I patient with all the people I encounter? Right? I know I see this face. And I feel that too, because I'm not always patient with my husband or my kids or my 150 kids at school, like, or the people I work with. It doesn't happen all the time. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. I think sometimes in our rightness of like declaring what's right, we end up dishonoring. From a practical perspective, you know, if if drinking is not a huge part of Jacob and, and my life, and someone gives, honestly, someone gave us a bottle of wine, which was totally a blessing. But in all honesty, we we just... Like, not that we don't, like, we disagree with it, but we don't drink wine. We don't, neither of us like it. But it's not like, oh, well, I don't like wine. In the sense of rightness of declaring what I think, it's like, thank you so much. What a blessing. Right? It doesn't dishonor others. Okay? You guys are applying that to your life, right? It's not self-seeking. 
It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil, but what it does is it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Can you apply that protection, the trust, the hope, and the perseverance to those in your life? And not just those that are like in your family, but those that you work with that are a little bit further removed. And you want to know why? Because love never fails. When there's prophecies, they'll come and go. When there's tongues, they'll be stopped. When there's knowledge, it'll die. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So I just want to encourage you because sometimes it seems backwards. He sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Like what? Like in the midst of battle, he sets a table for me? That is weird. Can you think of a battle where it's like, all right, let's set up the dining room table real quick. And that's literally what he's saying is that there's a table set before us. And so... I know this is going to sound really corny, but you know, when I say it, you're going to hear um, the heart of Jacob and Gabi come through it. Um, so if God sets up a table before our enemies, then who, who do you get to invite to your table? Like, do we invite our enemies to our table? Like, Maybe that's practically, but is that also like, hey, come here, I got something for you to eat. This might feed you. Like, not feed you, but this might feed you, right? And I know the corny part is, you know, Jacob and I love having people in our home. We love doing that. That's kind of like our reality. Um, but who else can I invite to my table? Who Who is... Who can I invite to my table that I wouldn't expect or wouldn't even think about? Who could you invite to your table? That table that's set before your enemies, that you have an opportunity to serve for freedom, to give, I wonder what you might receive. I don't know. I just, I want us to think outside the box on what this is going to be looking for as, as the year um, is starting to unfold this coming year. That things that we might have always thought were weird or backwards, that that actually might be the genuine. Like, I, I think we need to stay in a place where where, um, like, that we have to be open to the fact that we don't know it yet. Like, there's a piece to this puzzle that is on its way that we haven't gotten yet. And who knows where it's going to come. It's probably going to come from, like, the place that we have no, like, no expectation from. And it could very well be that person that we invite to our table into our lives that we get that piece to the puzzle. 
I don't know. Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to think that we, we know it. And I, I just don't want us to, to do that. I want us to be in that place of um, humility that we don't know it. I have, it's crazy, with my students, it's been this new controversy <laughs> with my students, that they want to know what they have to do to get the A. Because I have like these AP students, and they are awesome, and I totally love them. But their like, heart's desire in my class is what I have to do to get it right. Like, what grade do I have to get on the final in order to keep my A? And they hated my response. Because <laughs> I said, don't worry about the grade. All you have to do is learn the stuff. Like, if you know the stuff, the grade's going to come. So I just, I want, and, and what I've seen, it totally blew me away. All the kids I've in that particular class, I have 17 students in that class, and all of the kids who strive to know and are never in a place where they think they've got it and they're perfect, they are constantly moving forward, are the people who came out on top. The ones who think they know it and were like, I'm good, I don't, and not just like, oh, I'm good, I don't need to study, but they just are like oblivious and they are like, I got it are the ones who did not come out on top. And so I just want us to always strive to be in that place of what else does God have for me? What, what, what is the next thing that he's doing in, in my life, in your life, in your life? What's that next thing that I can do for Corey? Because I saw him drive down the street the other day in his truck, right? Like, huh? Yeah, like what? what is that thing? And I want us to just be on the lookout for that. Like as we come into this really crazy time where there's a lot of stuff going on, I want us to be on the lookout for what might t- God might be trying to totally surprise us with in an instant. So, I don't know. God's gonna take it and keep moving it inside your heart and it's gonna be bigger than however much time I've been up here talking. Um, And I just trust that, God, that you would take this word and that it would penetrate hearts miraculously, Father, that the Holy Spirit breathes through, that it doesn't fall on um, rocky ground. I guess that could have happened before. But I just pray that you would seal the deal, Father, and that you would give a greater revelation than even I could bring. In Jesus' name, amen. So, activation. (laughs) Who's got something? (laughs) All right, William. You can't go wrong with 1 Corinthians 13. One through three, that's probably my favorite. Because I enjoy walking with the gifts so much that God so many times has to bring me back to that place of saying that they're nothing without love. And I think about my areas of influence. And to be honest, getting up here and talking, that's to me it's easy. 
prophesying, it's easy. Praying over you guys, that's easy. But my area of influence here is far less than my area of influence out there. In my day-to-day, this is what I want us to think about with, with that, with 1 Corinthians, is when we go out, my Monday through Friday, and I, was, and I was talking with Lupe about this, is so many times we put so much focus on this. So many times we put so much focus on, on this relationship, which is important, it's family, it's kingdom, but we don't realize that a majority of our life is in that nine to five. Dwayne, how many men, families, do you have influence over? Quite a few. Families, not just the people that work underneath you, but their families. That you have influence over more influence than you could probably ever have here. Listen to you talk, Gabby. How many over the years of teaching? Thousands. Eric, when it comes to all the kids, parents, thousands. So you think about really the the levels of of what gap of what Gabi just released in that. I mean that's that's something that's stuck with me. It's you're nothing. Nothing without love. No matter how you think it's right, you've Gabi, you've taught hundreds or thousands of kids and in your own mind seeing what's right in them and what's wrong in them has never been probably even a thought process, right? It's what can I teach them? What can I show them? What, how can I help them to be better? What can they see in me that's going to go beyond right or wrong? Think about that. When it comes to dealing with even our brothers and sisters, our immediate family, people we share our day-to-day with, the hundreds of contractors I talk to. The job sites I walk that have over 200 or 300 people at one time working on that job site. That God has entrusted me show them something 
that isn't right or wrong, but that is true. Eric, did you have something? Okay. So Eric's going to come up, but then we want to activate this. And I really want you to just really stop and think about your week. Think about your week. Think about the people that you come that you have influence over, that you come in contact with, people that actually are watching you. Following you. Talking to you. And begin to play that out inside your mind of what am I showing them? What are they seeing? Do they even know I love Jesus? Am I honoring them and the gifts they give me? Am I honoring them and the things that they've helped me with? Do I show love no matter what, whether they're right or wrong? whether I agree with them or not. I was really struck when you started. Tell me what's up. Take your problem. See it from God's point of view. You know, everything, everything that we've been called to do, we're supposed to live our lives from his point of view. That's always the challenge with our with our flesh nature, with our with our the carnal components of who we are. We're battling that because it's so limited, and it's so easy just to resort to. I mean, we were praying this morning. Ion, the eye, the eyes of our heart would be filled with light. It is always about our perspective, and it's so easy to get lost there. I know it is for me. This is something that I was really, it's really funny because uh, Jacob and I were talking yesterday about some stuff with our kids. You know, the hardest part is we regard them according to their flesh nature rather than their spirits that God made. And I'm always reminded in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, from, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him that way no longer. We don't regard anybody according to the flesh. And so every t- and, and this idea, it's not, it's when in relationship to people and every single issue we want to get his perspective on. Everything. Why is it that we're always wanting to do right and wrong? Because in my flesh, I know what right is. By golly. I know what right is. That's not it, darn it. I start making judgments in my flesh. I'm not supposed to do that. I want to see from his perspective what's going on. And I can see the destiny in people who don't see the destiny in themselves. I can see what God treasures in that person that they themselves have no idea of. And you can speak to that and call that out. Situations change because you are seeing it from his perspective. The problems that you have I need a hundred million dollars. Does the dollar amount matter to God? 
Does he get stressed out the more zeros there are according to our financial problems? <laughs> no. I do. Those zeros freak me out. When I see it from his, that's where I was, Gavin. Financial challenges has lots of zeros. See it from God's perspective. You know what it was? It's this little tiny thing. And I'm sitting there. This little tiny thing is right in front of my face to the point where it's blocked my view of the Lord. See it from his point of view. All of a sudden, that little thing just becomes a little tiny thing. Perspective. I don't want to regard anything according to the flesh. Certainly not others. Activation. That means we got to begin to choose to do that in every situation of our lives. What is God's perspective? Am I going to see the love that God has in other people? I don't know. It's a choice you have to make. How am I going to respond? I don't know. It's a choice you got to make. What are you going to choose? Activation is all about all about a series of choices that you get to make in your life. People refer to victim mentality. What that means is that you've said, no, it's not my choice. Everybody else made their choices, and I don't get to. And my life is a result of other people making choices, and you make yourself powerless. But you're not powerless. You're powerful. The choices you make dictate not only your life, but everybody else around you. So choose to do what God's called you to do. Choose to see with his eyes, from his perspective. I will regard no one according to the flesh. I'm going to stand on that. And probably by the time this day is over, I will forget that at some point. It's going to cause a problem. Before we activate this, I just want to put a reminder out there, too, that you have a chance to honor this place after service. But we're going to uh, just knock out some stuff. It won't take very long. It's just some punch list just to, to show just how much we love this place, like Tyler talked about earlier, of our investment into here so that we can enjoy each other here every Sunday and Wednesdays and so forth. But to activate this, I I asked you guys a little bit earlier to think about your week. And here's the cool part is like I said, if we can leave here and just be like, that was a good word, love. I need to love more. But if we don't put it into action, ideas are crap. Execution is everything. If we don't execute what we were given today, if we don't execute that and put practice into that, even though it's going to be hard, difficult, weird, not used to it, if you don't put action into what was released, then it was just released. <laughs> 